This episode of Finding Demo Surfishing is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to ninjatackleva.com and take a look at all the rods, reels, rigs, and optics that they have online and for you to get your hands on. The new seven-foot, three-piece travel rod, this thing is epic. You need to get out and go travel, need a little rod to go with you? Yep, this one is just fine. Comes with two interchangeable tips. Very interesting new setup there, and I'll have more pieces coming up on that in a write-up here soon. Or the seven-foot one-piece go-to. I love that rod. You know I take it out to the beach with me. Great one. My 12-foot daggers, got them. So he's got the range all the way from 7 to 12. Got them covered there at the bummy stick. Got them in stock. Lots of cool stuff coming out of there. Maybe you need to get your hands on an optic for your Glock or firearm. They got them in there too. NinjaTackleVA.com. Got on over there today. Put in your order. Quick shipping. Great customer service. new week new episode hope you've been enjoying yourself and doing well wherever you are this winter season that we're in right now has been treating you good for fishing there's been a lot of uh pretty good catches actually especially in our area but uh seen some pretty good ones out of texas the carolinas lots of people still out there trying and doing doing really well so i hope that uh you you too are out there catching some fish and enjoying yourself this week we're taking a little bit of a digital trip we're heading up to the georgia area uh i went out fishing that for the kids can fish foundation tournament and this where i met our guest today mr dylan cribs and he is pretty well known in his area uh i really enjoyed having my conversations with him the guy really does know what he's talking about and knows what he's doing so uh, i'm very excited to bring him on the show here and uh have him regale you guys on fishing in that area because that, that, that was a little bit of a challenge for me, a little bit different there. So without me running my mouth the entire time here, let's get him on the show. Dylan, welcome to the show, man. Great to have you here. Hey, buddy. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm, I'm shockingly really good today, so I am very, very happy. How about you? You doing good? Yeah, man. Can't complain. Went out, spent a little family day like we normally do on Sundays up here. But other than that, can't complain. Back at home relaxing now. Good stuff. Yeah, we'll make the we'll make sure we don't eat up your entire Sunday today. We'll get you back out with the family there. So, you, you've been fishing in Georgia, and we're gonna go all the way back and start way back in the beginning. We're gonna start it there and rock it through. So here we go. First question of the episode: Tell us your story and what got you into fishing. All right. So I can remember all the way back whenever I was like four or five years old, and what really turned me on to fishing was whenever I was that age, me, my grandparents, we would go out in a little 14 foot John boat. And at that time we were borrowing motors from people and things like that. But they really started me off on a cane pole. My grandfather would be up in the front paddle in his hand, still do it that way till today. And my grandmother was in the back. I'm in the middle. That's where I learned how to pitch with cane poles and stuff like that, man. I mean, just the, thrill of being out there with those two and seeing the joy that they got from being out there with me and it's it just started something that is amazing and i I love doing it it's my favorite pastime you don't hear much about the cane pole 
you really don't nowadays. People even, we're not too far off in age. Well, you are, you're, you're much younger than I am, but I mean, we're still, <laughs> we're still within a 15 year uh, box here, but you don't hear too much of the cane pole startings. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's something that if you've never really went out and caught a brim, a bass or heck, even a catfish, I mean, you and that fish, it's literally 10 pound line, a one-aught little uh, circle, or not even a circle hook. It's just a little eagle claw hook that it's literally called a brim buster. And you sit there, court, little uh, split shot, and you cast it up under trees, or how we call it, we slingshot them up under trees. And you sit there and you watch that cork, and it's you versus that fish. Now, it can be all the way up. I've caught almost a one to two pound uh, bass on a cane pole, and it is an absolute fight. It's you versus that fish. No real, old timing, exactly how they used to do it. And I, it's something I love to do. Dude, that's cool. <laughs> that, that has to be a lot of fun. So that's cool that you started out like that. I mean, that's that's a great way to start understanding differences in drag and how to fight a fish one-on-one without any other uh, supplements to get you through. That's for sure. You started out doing that, grandpa, grandma, middle of the boat. That's freaking so cool. I'm still smiling about that, actually. I shouldn't be, but I think it's just, I love those memories, that sort of stuff. When people let me in on those kind of memories, it, it brings me a lot of joy. So thank you for that. What From then to now, though, what is what type of fishing do you like to do now? Um, I mean, now it's, I'm going out for the biggest, the baddest that my gear can handle. And, I mean, I've got some buddies that are here in the Georgia area that over here at St. Simons and Jekyll, really the St. Simons crew that I hang out with, they go out for these big sharks and stuff like that. And I started doing that whenever I was like 15, went away from it for a little while because I didn't have the funds being about 15 years old to pay for any of it. And then this past, I would say four or five years, I really dove head deep into it. And I mean, sharks, Red Bulls, I mean, even the little occasional trouts and slot reds, um, it's anything that I can really go after. I'm not, I, I mean, I go out for a target, but nine times out of 10, I'm out there for whatever's going to hook up. And that's something that's great about surf fishing is you can say, Hey, I am going out for this and this only, and you're going to get a bunch of bycatches you weren't expecting. Correct. I've only a couple times had a problem with somebody going, well, why aren't you targeting that? It's like, well, sure. I can target Pompano, but there's a great chance I'm going to catch a red on this bait. There's also a chance I'm going to catch a Spanish or maybe a blue. You never know because everything is going to eat. So yeah, I, it, I yeah. get exactly where you're going there. Yeah. I mean, you, you brought up the uh, Pompano and the blue fish. Whenever you came down for the redfish tournament, the running of the bulls for kids can fish. I mean, we had, uh, uh, fish girl right next to us uh, at our spot and literally the day the first day that we were out there she was like well I've, I've got my pompano rig this that and the third and she said I straight up told her I was like well ma'am I'm sorry to tell you we do not catch pompano here at all or bluefish or anything like that it's mainly whiting and mullet is all we really get and then not even 10 minutes later she's hooking up into the state record pompano out of Georgia. It's <laughs> absolutely insane. Dude, those pomp rigs, man, I, I I would love to say that they are just for Pompano, but those things, they can take some abuse. I mean, even 
even off the shelf. You can grab them at the tackle shop. You know, you go out there. A good example is here at Half Hitch in our tackle shop. I've numerous times grabbed a, a frisky fins or a uh, salty rig and throwing it out there going after a little pompano with some fish bites. And next thing I know, I'm pulling in a friggin' red drum. It's like, what the hell? But those rigs it, will hold. Those double drops are good. It's really crazy, man. It, it it just blows my mind on the variety. And this year at the tournament, it was completely crazy. I mean, we caught my crew that I was fishing with, we caught a triple tail from the beach I on remember. the first day. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was the first triple tail that I've ever seen landed from the beach at all because normally we have to go about two to three miles off to be able to even attempt to catch a triple tail <laughs> you got to go out all the way to the buoys wow and those those are far off for you guys too yeah i mean we have our channel and all that right there next to the pier i mean it's where all of our container ships and all that come through but i mean people don't realize unless you're out there on the pier you're a little bit closer but if you're kayaking a bait out for those big sharks you're yakking out at least 500, 600, almost 1,000 yards, depending on what area of the beach you're standing on. Damn, that's a haul. With St. Simons, though, I mean, it's such a fun fishery because that whole area, I wasn't expecting that. No one expected the triple tail. Kathy pulling the pomp. Uh, man, with that tournament, too, uh, we had, what, a super tide, a king tide, a super moon, uh, we had everything that was like, yeah, this is everything that goes against daytime fishing. Uh, but okay, a few guys went out at night to get some extra time in. I know Brian Curlett went out and uh, he was catching just slab, slab bull reds at 48, 50 inches. So yeah, we, we had the deck definitely stacked against us a little bit for that tournament, but it was still a really fun tournament. It was a great time. Yeah. I, trust me. It, it, that tournament right there, prove to me okay you, this is your first tournament that you're actually in saltwater wise this is either a going to tell you if you can catch these fish really whenever you need to and clutch up and get them or either a you're just an avid fisherman that likes to go out every weekend and i mean i placed top 10 like you said with the uh king tide and the super moon i don't know where y'all were fishing but we were fishing closer down towards the south uh points and it was nothing but trash everywhere i mean we had to wait out we had to literally call and ask the directors of the tournament tom if we were allowed to wait out into the water to get past the trash line i mean because we were sitting there and nothing but trash was taking our lines out and you couldn't tell whenever you were getting a bite or if it was just trash running your line out for you yeah. i mean it was crazy yeah, the sticks, I mean, everything that came, what was it, shortly after a hurricane, it was just it, a lot of different things. But people were still catching great fish. They were still out there slugging it out as best they could. So, yeah, uh, we were fishing not too far. We're a couple hundred yards from Tom. Uh, our our Airbnb was at the right at the, on that road where we came down to go. So it, uh, it worked out really well for us. Plus, it had the bathroom there, so it was easy for my daughter to go and, you know, not have to do the bucket squat in front of everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it worked out pretty good. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. I'm already I'm already excited for next year's. We're uh, even with his knee stuff. I plan on being there, so it's, it's going to be a good time. But let, enough about me. Flap my mouth there. Let's get back to you. What is your favorite thing about fishing? In all honesty, I mean, my thrill of it is whenever you're sitting there 
and you cast out a line, I mean, you never know what you're going to pull up on the other end. I mean, saltwater-wise, it could be whiting. It could be red drum. It could be shark. It could be a stingray that we're very well known for getting around here. I mean, it's crazy. And then the freshwater side, you have brim, bass, and catfish. You, you just never know. It's whatever the good Lord says, hey, this is your day to go out. I'm going to bless you on whatever you can get. Those are fun days, though. It's like, yeah. oh, cool, I caught that. All right, cool, that's dinner. Exactly. I mean, it, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Moving into a little bit of the past there, what has been one of your favorite fishing memories? I mean, the grandma and grandpa one's going to be tough to beat there, but what else we got there? Um, It would have to be, I mean, yes, the, the grandmother and the grandfather, my nanny and my papa, that those are the dearest memories in my heart because I lost my grandmother back in like 2019 and that, that was my fishing buddy. But I can remember I was like nine, 10 years old, somewhere around in that age. And me, my dad and my uncle Julius all went out and we were running uh, up the Ottawa river and it was a little choppy. And at that point in time, I didn't know what was going on. And if anybody knew my uncle Julius, it was always, he's a jokester. And every time the little bit of cap would hit the bottom side of the John boat, I would look back to my Uncle Julius and I would be like, hey, Uncle Julius, what was that? What was that? And he would always be like, oh, son, don't worry. That's just alligators hitting the bottom side of the boat. So being that young, automatically terrified the mess out of me and taught me, do not put your hands outside of this boat. <laughs> but all around just joking around with me. And I mean, that, and that's what kind of person I am, man. I mean, I'm out here to make, friends, do whatever I need to do, help anybody that is wanting to learn or doesn't know any better. I mean, just joking around all day. I'm a goofball. It, it's just my personality. That's a good personality. So I'm glad that you're like that. It makes fishing days more fun. That's for sure. What has been one of the craziest or your favorite catches? All right. So one of my craziest catches and it's going to sound extremely weird, but it's one of my fondest. Um, me and my buddy went out about, uh, it was either last year or the year before. Well, it's 2023 now, so it would be the year before. So we were sitting there on the pier, and we weren't even thinking about catching a stingray or anything like that. We were actually going out for reds, and this was right after the first run of the Bulls tournament. We sat there, we went out on the pier, and I cast it out. And next thing you know, my line just starts screaming. And I'm like, yes, this is the red I've been waiting for all day. And lo and behold, I fight this fish for well over 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, this is not a red by any means, shape, or form. It was actually turned out to be a 100 to 200-pound stingray that I fought for over 30 minutes on the pier. And a group of people came around and were asking, hey, are you going to do like the rest of the shark fishers and cut this up? Or are you going to like send it back? I was like, and there's a video floating around on Facebook. I don't remember the guy that got it, but uh, his name is Otis. I know that much, but he videoed it. And on the video, you could see me pick this stingray up and everybody's asking, am I going to cut it up or am I going to throw it back? And I calmly just say, no, ma'am, I'm sorry. I'm out here for sport fishing. And the only thing I'm going to really do with it is throw it back. This is too big for me to even try to attempt to cut up or use. 
that's a seriously big monster right there. That's cool, man. Yeah, it's it was a chore in itself. Needless to say, after that fish, I I packed my gear up and I went home for the day. <laughs> it's completely fair. I mean that that's a gasser. Anybody that's caught a, a ray right now listening is like, yeah, yeah, ain't nothing easy about that thing because it just gets th- that wingspan moves a ton of water and it is strong. Finishing up here on this last question in this section, what is a bucket list fish that you want to catch? All right, so I know I'm going to have to take a trip for this fish, and it's going to have to be to the Gulf, but my ultimate goal is to catch a mako on spinning gear. I mean, it's a fish that I know that I'm not obtainable to catch here because our water is well too dirty, as people call it, but a mako is on my bucket list of my dream fish. You don't have to come up. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. Come on over. We've got them. Uh, the Carolinas, I've heard a couple times people catching Makos out there. Uh, I know when I did the Hillbillies episode with them, uh, they, they were catching them out of North Carolina. So you, you little bit less drive, but hey, come on down to the white sand. It's really nice and comfortable. It's poofy in clear water. And see, it's also a dream of mine to get over to the Gulf and catch. So. <laughs> yeah, doubling up. There you go. Cool, man. Well, I hope you get a chance to do that. Come on down here and catch it on. That, that'd be, that, that's going to be a hell of an adventure right there because that's, that's an elusive fish to get your hands on. That, that it is. Trust me, I've heard countless stories of them. Uh, apparently, unless you're in a boat, you know, offshore and it'll just, bre- you know, what, breach the water and then land in your boat. I mean, that that viral that video went viral on uh, what TikTok that was that was crazy to see I don't know if you saw it yeah it it was crazy I I know exactly what video you're talking about it was crazy hilarious the guys just going crazy get to make yeah it was hilarious <laughs> they're all lucky it didn't land on them so <laughs> there is that right there all right well now we're going to go ahead and move into the next section here we're going to move into the fishing tips tricks and knowledge portion of the show uh but before we do that let's go ahead and get knocked into the very fun portion of the trip the everlasting bait check It is your first bait check of the episode. This bait check is being brought to you by the Kids Can Fish Foundation. And we're just talking about that. we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about that, too. They've also got the Running of the Bulls tournament. The sign-up's going to come up pretty soon, so make sure you're following them on kidscanfish.net. And while you're over there, take a look at it. A lot of cool things that they're doing. Kids Can Fish is a state and federally recognized 501c3 charitable foundation. All their camps, clinics, and outreach are funded by the website, merchandise sales, sponsors, and donations. The mission is to get kids out there fishing more to learn the fundamentals and have fun. Then one of the things they always say is more tackle boxes, less Xboxes. They put on a lot of great things for kids and they help out in that local community. One day we'll get them nationally. I know it because they're doing good stuff. So kidscanfish.net. Thanks for all the stuff you all do. And uh, you all head over there. Get yourselves lined up for the tournament because you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So moving in with the tips and tricks here, let's get into the first one. And this is always the one where we have a lot to do here. How do you plan your fishing day? All right. So my normal fishing trip, if it really depends, if I'm going saltwater is definitely, I'm getting all my gear ready the night before I live, not even five minutes from the beach. I mean, the Glen County area is well known for close homes on the beach. I mean, I don't have waterfront, but I mean, you know exactly how it is 
you were talking in your last episode, I believe, about whenever you were stationed in Hawaii, you were right there on the beach. I mean, get get things planned the night before, sit there and wait for my other guy that I normally come and fish with, and he'll roll over to my house. We'll load all of his stuff up the morning of, go out, and just hit the beach at 6 a.m., and we'll be out almost until 6 in the evening until we roll back to his truck at my house. It is insane, but it's very much worth it. Those are good days, that's for sure. All right, so you plan the right before. So when, when you get out there, then how do you select your spot? Uh, so normally how I select my spot is I do a lot of GPS work. I'm a land surveyor, so I pretty much already have depths and stuff like that figured out. But, I mean, we go out on boats all the time, and little does my boss know, he'll probably want to scold me if I say this, but I sit there, and whenever we're over a deep part of water that's right next to the beach, I'm automatically on my phone spot-locking there <laughs> and recognizing where it is on the beach. It is, it's not something I'm very proud of, but, I mean, being a beach fisherman, that's what I have to do. I mean... Just find the deepest parts of the water for the summertime, and nine times out of ten, that spot is where those bigger fish are going to be hanging out at. Yeah, your beaches are long. That's one thing I yes, remember very much so about your beaches. Oh, well, I mean, I take this back to the run of the bulls with the Kids Can Fish Foundation. I mean, that tournament proved to people like you and Kathy from well out of state that came over here for this tournament, whenever it's a king tide or, heck, 7th Street by itself, you can be pushed all the way up to the boardwalk. Oh, yeah. Whenever high tide is. And whenever low tide's done or coming out, you're sitting there and you're running back towards the water at least 100 to 150 yards, depending on what area of the beach you're on, just to get back into the water. You're trying to beat that tide every day. It is yeah, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely insane. And for people that come around and don't understand Jekyll Island, because Jekyll Island and St. Simon's area, I mean, they're both, those two islands fish completely different. And for people that aren't from here, I make that my main goal whenever I'm out on the pier or out on the beach and I see somebody fishing. And you can tell that people that aren't locals, I try my best to help them out whenever I get out there or they can even come up to me and ask questions. And nine times out of 10, I'm definitely going to keep paying attention to my stuff. And if I see my rod going off and I've watched them all day and they haven't got anything, I'm definitely going to sit there and offer the, my pole up to them and be like, look, you came all this way to fish. I'm going to get you on one. Let's get it done right now. You're good, dude. Yes, you are. <laughs> Freaking awesome, man. That's good of you. In your beaches, one thing that I will not make the mistake of this year, uh, I did not, I didn't do a lot of scouting. Uh, well, actually, I did no scouting until we were out fishing. That that morning, we came out and the beach, everybody was already there. We're like, holy crap, we were late. Well, we weren't that late. We we got a spot just to the left uh, of the of the blue carpet, uh, and yeah, we were pinned right up against the sand dune. I was like, all right, it is what it is. We're just gonna throw, and then I started finding the channels, but. Man, I know for next year, go out when the tide is low 
and basically start figuring out the beach, start looking at the map, look where the cut was, because that uh, <laughs> that really huge red that I caught at 13 inches um, was in that current line. It was in part of the the cut that was in front of it that basically once low tide was there, you saw it, but it was there was just straight length beach for the rest of the trip there. But uh, yeah, your beaches, I, I've learned you got to do intel searching. Yeah, I mean... It's absolutely insane. Like I keep saying it's insane because Georgia fisheries, I mean, I can't speak for Tybee because I don't really like to go up there and fish. They don't, they frown upon beach fishermen up in Tybee area, but St. Simons and Jekyll are two totally different animals from each other. I mean, St. Simons, like I said, you got to go a hundred to 150 yards out whenever low tide comes in and then turn around on Jekyll Island and you can sit there and you can pretty much stay in the same spot all day. I mean, Todd really doesn't differ that much over there. You're going to be moving like 10 foot in or 10 foot back. But other than that, they're two totally different animals. And you keep talking about the blue carpet, how Tom was talking about at the tournament. If you're nowhere near that, nine times out of 10, it's going to be when those schools are running through is whenever you're actually going to hook up to something because our water is unlike any other, other than like South Carolina, North Carolina area. They also have not so dirty water as us, but our marsh is just phenomenal around here. It's steadily pushing in oxygen into this water. It's crazy going through and you can't really see where the channel breaks at or you can't see the little cuts that you need to be in, but it's, it's an animal in itself. That's all I can say. Yeah. The, the thing that really blew my mind was, uh, when you looked, when you were on the beach or if you went on the blue carpet and you looked to about, I don't know, the two o'clock position at low tide, there was a whole set of barrier islands in themselves that people were walking on out there it, with that tide yeah. gone. It, it was I mean, granted, it was probably a half a mile from us, but it was at least a half a mile long. So all that land was getting exposed for fishing. And it was like, geez, this is one giant bowl. This is so cool. So, but it really, it really hammered home the thought for me of you got to know your water. I, I don't know how I'm going to compete with you this year in this tournament. I mean, king <laughs> of the smallies. Yeah. I mean, crown and all, we're, we're going to get you one. Uh... By the time you get down here, I'm going to have you a crown and I'm going to crown you. <laughs> It's all until somebody gets it this year. Somebody will also beat me to the smalls. I mean, if I if I end up taking this small two years in a row, I'm, I, I mean, I won't be ashamed, not even a little. But I, uh, <laughs> dude, I, I swear, I acted a little bit too happy about that. It was like I was more excited about catching the smallest than you know, catch winning the tournament. Yeah, and, and the crazy part is, is the dude that won the tournament, Sean, he was not even fifty yards from me in the exact same location and he caught the winning red not even like i said 50 yards yep and it's like his school he threw in at the right time at the right moment and it was luck of the draw on that tournament i mean we were all neck and neck i mean first to third place was splitting hairs on all of those fish yeah and the Calcutta, though, that one catch, I mean, it was – that Calcutta catch was a nice one. It was over, what, 30 or 40 spots. but Yeah, 37 spots. Yep. Yeah. But he said the same thing, you know, like, oh, I caught this right here, and he, his buddy couldn't catch a thing. It, 
it happened to me. I mean, I had a guy to my right, uh, caught a wonderful, wonderful red. I think it was 28 or 29 inches. Nice, nice fatty. Uh, but then to my left, Tom, you know, he's pulling him in. I'm like, I'm right in the middle of this. What the hell? But I wasn't on any cut or line. I was on just flat, flat sand. So knowing all that lines for them, you know, it, it just worked out. So good, good, good stuff to know if you're going to go fishing, especially if you're going to a new area, definitely got to go scouting. But let's talk about your gear here. So let's talk about how you set it up. So what I mean by that is, and we kind of covered this with uh, discussing where to cast, but uh, let, let's talk a little bit more about that because I think pretty much, well, I think we're both in agreement that the area for that is you're really looking for cuts and runs. Is that right? Yeah. And you're looking for different cuts, different runs. And how I stagger, I always do a stagger. Me and the guy that go, I have four poles of my own. He has four poles of his own. I'll run my 11 or my 12 foot rod and my 10 foot rod and my nine foot rod. I space them out about 10 foot apart. And my 12-foot rod is the farthest, obviously, and it just goes down from there. I mean, just stagger them all the way down. I mean, we have covered from 12-foot all the way down to 6-foot rods staggered out in different depths of the cut. And just if you have the way I look at it, the more you stagger out, you can determine what area the fish are actually going to be in instead of, casting all the same length and being like oh well i hope something actually comes along and i just believe in the staggered method is what i believe in the stagger method works man especially when you're hunting trying to figure out where they're at that's 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 so important so we've talked about where to cast what about let's talk about the rigs so you like you said you've got a bunch of different fish there you've got you know reds now triple tail (laughs) you've got a bunch (laughs) of different types of fish what's uh what's type what type of rig do you prefer to use when beach fishing and what's it used for? Uh, so normally, even whenever it comes down to my reds and my shark rigs, I mean, this year I've switched up on my reds, but normally my shark rigs, I'm not going out for the monster eight foot sharks or anything like that. I mean, if I can hook up into a date, great. If not, my day is not lost because that is a fight in itself. But normally what I'm running is about a four to an eight-aught circle hook Yamagatsu down to nylon-coated steel at 135 pounds with a barrel swivel straight up to uh, my main line, which is uh, braided power pro, at, and it varies from 65 to 100 pounds. Depends on which reel I have it on. And then for my redfish, it's coming down to 200-pound mono with a swivel back to my main line. And actually, it's my weight is on my main line for my sharks and for my redfish. Everything's just sitting there. And I have a stopper rig at a certain depth. I'll have about two to three foot of leader. And then the rest of it's going to be nothing but weight and hook. That's nine times out of ten what I'm running for my reds. Okay. It makes a lot of sense, especially with the sizes you did back there, and it goes all the way back. And you don't really have, and you don't like you said earlier, you don't really run into bluefish. You don't really run into Spanish. A swivel for you guys is not a, it's not a fish target. It's it's a a tool that's going to be there and keep you safe. So that's kind of a that's that's a nice little piece for your area that you don't have to worry about a fish hitting your swivel and cutting everything off. If it's on my twelve foot rod, it's going to be at least a four foot uh, leader. But if it's going to be on anything lower than my 10, 
it's going to be about a three to four foot liter of 135 pound nylon coated steel and i mean like you said we don't get blues it's very rare that we get blues my first blue that i ever caught was in this past tournament for the running and then we don't have spanish we don't have massive fish out here that have all these gigantic teeth to be able to cut through things and i'd i'd rather run a heavier leader in a black nylon coated that way i don't have to worry about a break off and i tell myself all the time if i break off at the leader of 135 pound nylon coated steel that animal was well too big for me to even be attempting to pull in on my spinning gear yeah yeah that's definitely an outmatch so that's a hope to get it and cut and get them like please don't take a ton of line let's hope you can get away yeah. so right there um you, you mentioned it but let's uh let, let's push it a little bit further so with your different types of rigs you end up uh, my thought is, is you're using different types of sinkers what kind of sinkers do you like to use i'm very basic whenever it comes to fishing i mean if it's not broke i live my life by this if it's not broke don't try to fix it yeah. i mean i'm very but uh very much like all right i'm going to the local bait shop i'm not getting sputniks i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna get pyramid weights four-sided three-sided it depends on what they have that day and i'm not throwing any more size and depends on the current but the highest that i'll ever throw on my gear is an eight i mean i want that fish to be able to pick it up and not really feel a weight on the other end so I'm not going out and I'm not putting Sputniks on unless it is that King Tide that we talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. Then We had no choice. Yeah. We had zero yeah, I choice. I had no choice then. And it was like one of my first times using a Sputnik. And it's like, thank you, Sinker Guy, for giving these out at the little <laughs> meet and greet that we had. You're amazing. You saved my behind right now. Yeah, Chip couldn't have had a better opportunity right there for because that you're right, man. That King Tide, we, we lost – I want to say close to 200 yards of beach without a Sputnik. Oh man, my, my stuff would have been gone with all the crap oh, yeah. floating. It would have been, everything would have been gone. Yeah. It, it was crazy. And yeah, I mean, pyramid weights is nine times out of 10. If you walk up on me at the beach or at the pier, nine times out of 10, that's what I'm throwing. And I just, I believe in the old ways. I don't need all of this new technology and stuff like that. And, to waste my whole because the way i look at it is okay if i go out and spend a lot of money on all of this gear other than my reels and my rods i'm throwing it in the water anyway and i have a chance to either a break off and lose everything or b i'm gonna get it back and if i break off and lose everything wow i just lost two bucks three bucks i'm not wasting 15 20 30 almost 50 dollars on gear yeah i'm i'm not here to say that using all of your money on the expensive gear is not worth it by any means, but coming from a guy that's balling on a budget that loves this sport, I'm doing what I have to do to get out there and still land these fish like the rest of these guys are. Yeah. Yeah. That's damn good points right there. But it's cool that you think of like that. I mean, and, and you've been using it the standard way. So you're, you're comfortable with it and you understand your gear and that, that just gets you through. So perfect perfection all through there. This one gets this question right here because this one screwed me up when I went to St. Simons. And next year, I already know my plan moving ahead. Let's talk about bait options. Um, you've got a lot of great mullet in the water. And that's, 
I mean, definitely never a bad thing when you see mullet. So what types of bait do you like to use when you're surf fishing? All right, so you're going to think this is really, really crazy. But you talked about how we have great mullet population here. In the rivers, yes, mullet are abundant everywhere year-round. You will see them jumping whenever you're in the little john boats or the river boats. You'll see them everywhere up in the rivers. But whenever it comes to saltwater, it's like they can't ever find their way out of the freshwater. <laughs> so normally, we're using whiting, we're using croaker, we're using pinfish, we're using angelfish. I mean, it's the, the mullet only start running frequently whenever the reds are here. And it's like, okay, so that's no problem right there. Whenever these reds start, that's whenever the mullet are here. Whenever the mullet leave, it's like the reds. They're gone too. Wow. They follow each other. That's crazy. I didn't know that for that area. And, and and that's how I look at it. I mean, I you can go out with a cast net right now off of one of the jetties, which joke on joke, that's an inside joke. We only have like two jetties here. <laughs> okay. But you can go and cast off right now a big old cast net and you're nine times out of 10, you're not going to pull up a single mullet you're going to pull up whiting kroger pinfish and angels fish and spade fish that's it wow really yeah it's we have a great fishery for all of kinds of bait fish but i believe that our water is too murky for anything else to even attempt to come in and try to survive here if they weren't the way i look at it if they weren't really born here they can adapt over time but if they're not born here they're not going to stay here Okay, that's cool to know. I didn't know that at all. So now we know about the bait fish. What what type of bait do you like to use when you're out fishing, though? All right, so normally what I'm using is the pin, the mullet, and frozen mullet of that. Pin, frozen mullet, and whiting and croakers. And the occasional pin fish if I go out the day before and catch some. Okay, so you got those ones. What are you using those for for targeting? That just basically hits your whole compass for reds, sharks, everything? Everything. I mean, nine times out of ten, you're catching sharks with them. You're catching stingray with them that nobody likes to catch. And then you're also catching red, the occasional redfish if they're still around. I mean, we at the tournament, I keep referring back to it, but it was such a great learning experience yeah. for me personally. I mean, you go out there and it's like, okay, they're not taking the mullet that we had just caught. Let me take this whiting over here and cast it out. And that's actually what I got in the top 10 with was a cut piece of whiting. So I believe in my heart, that's what they were after at that point in time. Whatever bait fish is there and they're adapted to for this area is what they're going to pick up on. Excellent point. And for sure. Yeah. I mean, they're going to eat. They're always hungry. Well, not always. We we like to think they're always hungry. That always makes me happy. But yeah. <laughs> you wish it could be that easy sometimes, I swear. Yeah, I, I know, man. I mean, the good Lord gives you a good day. You're checking the weather all weekend or all week. And then you look back at the weekend and you're like, all right, it's supposed to be 70s. It's not going to be hotter than like 77. No rain in sight. It's going to be a good day. The fish are going to be biting. And then you get all the way out there and it's like, you thought you were actually going to catch something today. <laughs> You're just here to practice. <laughs> because practice makes perfect. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> well, this is perfect. We're running into right to the right time here. Let's get ahead and uh, knock out a paycheck. It is your second bait check of the episode. Hopefully you've caught a bunch of fish by now. That'd be awesome. And maybe if you've been using some live stuff, even better. Make sure you bring it back in. Double check those hooks. Make sure they're good to go. If you need to rebate those lines, get them back out. You're going to catch a bunch of fish. I believe in you. And this being your second one, if you haven't caught yet, change up your bait. Something different might need to happen. This bait check is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. Head on over to dscustomtackle.com and take a look at all the products that they got available for tackle supply. That's right. You like to tie your own stuff? DS Custom Tackle's got you covered. Floats, hooks, rigs, all set right there. They got their new, uh, the newest combination of the flea bag and the fruit basket. Very interesting set of floats there and the flea bag even glows in the dark. Yeah, you like that night fishing in the summer? Yep, there you go right there. DSCustomTackle.com, get your order in today. So we've been talking about these pieces with uh, types of bait. So let's move into uh, a little bit of forecasting. So what do you do when you go fishing in a brand new place? So nine times out of 10, once again, I go back to the basics. I mean, if I'm not catching something on the bait that I have out, I'm going to scavenge around, cast out our smaller lines, see if I can catch something that is abundant there in that spot. And nine times out of 10, if it's whiting or croaker, I'm going to automatically cut it up and I'm throwing it out. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and waste my whole day on something that's not working. Any other stuff? Do you do any map reading or driving the beach? Anything else? I, I mean, technically, we if you come here and I mean, you saw it whenever you were here, nine times out of 10, we do not have beachfront access to where yeah. you can just drive down the beach and be able to see it. And I go back to the surveying thing. I do a lot of beach surveys to tell uh, the Georgia DNR, hey, this is the high tide level. This is the low tide level. And nine times out of ten, that's whenever I'm scanning the beach to find new areas for me to look at. Okay. Or I'll go on the GIS maps over here or even the depth chart maps from Garmin. I can go on there and see, okay, this holds a deep pocket of water and then it tapers off. Or, hey, this one right here, it, it sits there and it drops down dramatically about 15, 20 yards off the beach. I mean, it, it's just calculation. And I'm one of those people that, hey, if I see a body of water, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm going to stop. I'm going to test that spot out without even looking at it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just throwing. Those are the best, aren't they? It's like, that looks good enough. That, that looks fishy. Come here. Exactly. And... I mean, I take it back to my river, my freshwater fishing side. I mean, my grandfather used to joke around with me all the time, and he would tell me, he would sit there and he'd go, yeah, yeah, there's definitely fish here. I can smell them. (laughs) Dude, they have a sixth sense. I don't care what anyone said. Grandparents, it's like a special thing. They know. Yeah, it's crazy. Like nothing I've ever seen before in my life. And nine times out of 10, whenever he did that sniff and he would let out that last breath and say, yep, there's fish here. I can smell them. You'd cast your line out up under a tree. Nine times out of 10, you were pulling in another fish. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. Yes. Oh, gosh. That's just like permanent grin for you there. You know, the other one that threw me off on that, and I know I'm kind of sidebarring here, but um, have you ever seen the, dead, the deadliest catch? I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen it. I mean, oh, all of us fishermen have dude. definitely looked at it like, that looks fun and painful. 
that looks fun. That looks painful. They make a lot of money, but you see why they make a lot of yeah. money. And yep. then I think all of us anglers have it in our mind. Hey, I want to go try that. And then you see the temperature that they pop up on the screen, negative 20. And then you're like, no, I live in a warm part of the area for yep. a reason. Yep. I'm a beach fisherman and I will, I am glad to admit that one. But, um, I think it was, <laughs> I think it was Phil. It was Cornelia Murray, uh, many years ago while he was still alive. Uh, stick his head out and he's like, yeah, crab, crab farts. The crabs are here. And, you know, <laughs> and it would take away and all that. But it was like, you know, the smell thing is real. Some people know that smell. So it just always thought of that. As soon as, as, soon as you said that, my brain went right to that. Damn smells. They get you. All right. Keep it on track. Sorry about that. How do you adjust tactics? Go ahead. I was saying, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Squirrel. That's my, that's my MO in life. <laughs> so how do you adjust your tactics for fishing when the bite isn't on fire? Uh, so I really hate to say it. I mean, I'm changing out bait, but other than that, I'm not really out there. If The way I look at it is that's my time to relax and be out there with whatever God has put out there for me. I mean, I'll, I'll look at it. And I'm like, wow, this, this is what it actually is. This is what the Lord has put out. He has built. And if I'm not really getting a bite, I don't care. I'm, I'm just there to enjoy the time because any day fishing is better than a good day at work. Yeah. <laughs> Hands down. Yes. It is. It's just the some guys will be like, oh man, we're not catching anything. I'll change out my bait. And then. If they're not catching anything on it, they're like, hey, I'm packing it up. I'm leaving. This isn't fun anymore. You're out there for the experience, for one, and to eventually catch something. But if you stick with it long enough, the way I always look at it is the good Lord's going to put something in front of you. That way you are going to catch something. That's the way I look at it. I've adjusted the questions on you a little here, um, and we're going to move in because you already answered a bunch of the other ones I wanted to ask you. Uh, let's talk about seasons there. Uh, we do know, I mean, summer and winter, it's like the high side of the clock, the low side of the clock. It's either great fishing or it's, oh, it's a skunk town. So let's talk about yours. Yeah. What about the seasonal fishing in that area? Tell us about them. All right. So, I mean, I'm going off of, we're rolling into spring right now, so that's where I'm automatically going. So spring, nine times out of 10 on the freshwater side, you've got bass that are starting to spawn. You're going to start catching those big girls around over here and the rivers, the ponds, lakes. We don't have very many lakes, but whenever you do, nine times out of 10, they're glory holes. And then saltwater side, you've got trout that are starting to finally move out. You can still catch the occasional sheephead. But what we're all really getting ready for around in this area is the big black drum about to be moving back in. I mean, I talked to my buddy Seth. Um, everybody knows Sammy, his son, little Sammy. He's a part of the Kids Can Fish Foundation. He's always out there to help. But me and his dad were talking the other day, and I think this was about three to four months ago. And he was like, hey, dude, the big black drum are coming. This weather's sticking around right. We're going to be hooked up real soon. And you you think that the uh, redfish are big around here? You haven't seen nothing until you come out and you're actually able to catch on to one of those big black drum. I mean, it is ridiculous. <laughs> Love those big uglies, man. Those are fun. 
Yeah. And then summertime rolling over, I mean, it's nine times out of ten, you're at the beach, you're going to catch a shark. And it can be anything, oh, excuse me, it can be anything from little shovelhead sharks to bonnethead sharks. I mean, we've got bulls. The good thing about Glen County area is Cumberland Island. It's one of the world's largest shark breeding areas that is right here in our backyard. And not people that many people that come here know, hey, Cumberland Island is one of the largest shark breeding areas. You can go out there and nine times out of 10, summertime, you're definitely going to hook up to a shark. Your line can be in the water 15, 20 minutes. As long as you're in the right spot, you're hooking up. Okay, so summers go after the sharks. Spring, yeah, big black drum, red drum, okay. Uh, what about your fall? Fall, rolling in, man. I mean, it's the same time as the running of the reds. You know what we're all out there for. Yeah. As soon as November starts its final three days, our piers and our beaches are going to be loaded down with people coming around for that bite. They run from the end of November all the way through the beginning uh, oh, my bad. To the beginning of November to the end of September is what time they're running. From September the last three days to the beginning of November, you have a chance to hook up on massive redfish in this area. And still occasional, some of the smaller sharks are still here. I mean, nine times out of ten, though, you are going to hook up to a redfish as long as you're there and patient. So it sounds a lot like your beaches are very much so on the, the the sport catching side versus the eater size yeah okay i mean you have literally you whenever you call that uh monster redfish of yours in the tournament <laughs> that is legit the smallest fish i've ever seen come off of our beach other than whiting yeah. sport fish wise yeah I, mean, I thought it was a whiting to be honest i was like oh hey it's got a spot on its tail yay yeah, man, it's it's massive. What? Oh wait, this is not a whiting. I'm I'm actually in the top ten now. Look at me. Yeah. Well, the joke with Thomas and I, he was like, "Dude, no one else is." At that time, I was midday uh, when him and I finally caught up. He's like, "Dude, no one else has caught a fish." Like, if a thirteen wins this, I'm gonna be really like, I'm gonna be shocked. <laughs> like, if, if thirteen wins it, I'm gonna be really sad. I'm gonna be mad at myself. So, thankfully, yeah, it got blown me. away. Trust me, whenever I was scrolling through the Facebook page, looking at the standing, <laughs> and you were at the top with a 13, I was like, I'm going to go down to Brian and I'm going to punch him in the throat if he wins this with uh, a 13-inch fit. I totally would have deserved it. I mean, I, I, hell, that was hilarious, man. It was such, that was so fun. I, I, I just, I, I really had fun with that. That was that was hilarious. Just good times. All right. Yeah, I mean, it was hilarious. Good times. And I mean, we made a good friendship off of it. Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely did. And I'm looking forward, like I said, I can't wait to see you when I get back, man. I'm, I'm very much so looking forward to catching back up with you and going fishing. Um, one other question when it comes to this, even though it's seasonal, let, let's talk about time of day. Um, me personally, it's been, especially in this area, I'm a big evening fisherman. I love the sunset bite more than I love the sunrise. That's just me personal. What about you guys over there? Is it better fishing morning, evening, midday? What, what have you noticed? All right, so to me, whenever I'm going out, I'm checking on the tide change. If it's falling early in the morning from high to low or low to high, I'm out there. And then 
whenever it goes to slack tide, that's my chill time. All right, wait until the tide comes back in. I mean, it varies. Our fish like to move in the Georgia area, at least in Glen County area. They like to move on incoming tide or outgoing tide. And whenever it gets slack, it is dead. You might as well go ahead, kick back in your chair, put your sunglasses on and your hat on over your face and take a nap and wait <laughs> about hour to two hours for that tide to change. And then your bite's going to be right back on. So we really don't have a morning or an evening bite like most places do. Our fish work on tide change. Okay. So very tidal dependent. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I, especially with the conversations I've had over there with uh, now you and Thomas had told me the tide makes a difference. Very much so. And just be patient. You know, the only thing, like, I, and I've noticed this on the Atlantic with the, that huge tidal swell throughout the whole Atlantic Ocean, especially when you're coastal like that, man, you, you can walk way down the beach and then if it's still rolling, you might as well not even really put your sand spikes all the way in just because you're going to be moving again. And then people are looking at you all angry because you're like, your line's out there a little bit. It's like, look, what do you want from me? I, I just literally got here and the water went away. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, this past year, before the tournament, me and my buddy that I go out with all the time, Chris Marler, he actually was the guy that I put on the spot that he won the first run of the Bulls tournament. I put him on his spot. But whenever me and him started fishing more together, the first year it was like, hey, man, our hands are starting to kill us. Like, we have got to find a way to get these sand spikes in the ground a more efficient way than just filling them up with water and dredging them into the sand. And then I'm going to give a shout out to a company, but it's ghost rent pumps and they have been a lifesaver. You're supposed to find ghost rent with them, but Hey, they weren't wonders putting sand spikes in. Really? Oh, I got, you know what? I could see that. Cause you're suctioning it up. You're loosening it up. That makes sense. Exactly. And then that little hole that it makes shove your sand spike down into it. You ain't got to worry about damaged hands any more. Dude, that is like a pro tip and a half. That's so cool. I never would have thought of that. Trust me. We saw another uh, couple of the guys that we fish with, the big time shark fishers over here, Sammy's dad, Seth, and his group. We saw them one day and they were putting in 10 to 12 foot sand spikes about five foot down in the ground. And I'm like, dude, there's no way they're digging a hole and putting that in they've got to be using something. And I messaged him one day and he was a lifesaver with it. He was like, buddy, you need to invest into a ghost shrimp pump. It is amazing. And you can look them up on DIY on YouTube on how to make a cheap one for yourself. Yep. Yeah. I, especially with your impacted beaches, that's, I mean, hell, that's going to yeah. work up and down the whole Atlantic seaboard because almost there's so many places that it's just rock and then when, or it's just rock solid. But even when the tide goes out, you've got nothing but compacted, sand and it's 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 gonna be a fight so you just solidified so many people's issues right there with that piece like dude i, I don't know why i never thought of that so smart well done <laughs> yeah, see? One anchor hand at a time. yeah there you go <laughs> well the good news is you're almost done here yeah we're gonna move into the closing questions but before we move into the last section let's knock out our final bait check of the episode
It is your last paycheck of the episode. This final paycheck is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at all the stuff that Chip's got going on in The Sinker Guy Garage. Need your hands on the mortician rig? Oh yeah, it's there. Lots of good stuff there. Or the Bruno rig. We don't talk about Bruno. Remember that. We don't. Nailing it. That thing has been crushing fish and doing good things. Sinkers? Gotcha. Sinker supplies? Oh yeah, he's got you too. Rigs, hooks, Anything you might need, he might have it in the garage to include tools. Cannot emphasize the need for tools. You need tools, pliers, scissors, lots of good stuff. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com, get your order in today. Moving into the final pieces here, let's go ahead and get these knocked out because this is going to be really uh, a little bit of an opinion fun stuff here. So let's uh, let's start at the easiest one <laughs> because they're all so easy. <laughs> what do you think the reason has been for such a surge to surf fishing? In all honesty, man, I mean, seeing all the tourists come down and being out there fishing in the area because the state itself, the Georgia state itself, they sit there and they push and thrive for people to come to Glen County. It is the beauty of the Golden Isles. I mean, they come around and they see people out there like me, Seth, his group, Tom doing what he's doing with all of the Kids Can Fish Foundation. I mean, seeing people out there being active, catching fish the way that we do, I mean, it just pushes people out there to want to try something new. And I mean, coming from somebody that's never done it before, you automatically run to your local tackle shop or you run to your local Walmart thinking that, yeah, this is what I'm going to do while I'm here. It just brings people in and whenever they catch that first fish it's like a drug man they want more of it yeah the tug is the drug and we've, i mean it gets every episode it gets said but it's there's something about that rod getting pulled in the sand spike and it's like ooh, ooh, what is it what is it and then sprinting for it and oh, everything about it every time man i mean i still get giddy till this day of watching and it, it could be just the slightest little tap and you're like your whole head, you can be having a full conversation and you hear that slightest little bit of drag yink, and your whole head just shifts over to your rod and you watch it for a good 10, 20 minutes and nothing happens. And then you look away and then it doubles over and it's screaming. <laughs> it is the best feeling in the world. It makes you feel like a kid in the candy store all over again. It absolutely does. It's, and it's the messed up fun thing too when you're sitting with a group and you're in front of your lines, you loosen up the drag and you do a little pull real quick. So it goes a zzz, and all of a sudden everybody looks at you like, <laughs> it, it's universal. We all instantly snap turn. Well, see, I'm glad you brought that up. One of the times that we took uh, my future wife's uh, father out with me and my buddy Chris, he made the mistake of how he calls it, resting his eyes on the beach. But he fell asleep because we went out at 6 o'clock that morning, and it was already about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. He rested his eyes on the beach, in quotation marks. <laughs> but we sat there, and we loosened his drag all the way up, and we just started running down the beach with it. And we started shaking him. David, David, your, your line is screaming, man. What are you doing? And he's up, and he's reeling all this slack line back in just to find out that his line is in the exact same location to whenever he fell asleep. It's hilarious. <laughs> Lesson learned, do not fall asleep on the beach around you. Got it. 
That's no, so perfect. No, I mean, I, and that goes back to me, man. I mean, I'm just a goofball. I'm out there to have fun, catch what I can catch. If the good Lord says, hey, you're getting a bite today, you're getting a bite. But if not, there's my mom's always said it. If I was her first child, I'd be her last. But I'm a goofball through and through, and I'm a slight prankster at that. You realize that you just gave every listener an idea for this year. So I am, you know, if anybody does this, please get it on video for us. Then tag us back because we want to, we want to celebrate that exact prank right there. That is so good. <laughs> we're we're going to be watching that go TikTok viral. Oh man. The next year. Yep. Oh, that's, that's so perfect. Uh, we talked a little bit about this, but let's kind of dial it up another notch here. What do you recommend to someone coming to your area to fish for the very first time do before they even put a line in the water? All right. So not many people realize this because of my personality, but I'm very in touch with God. I mean, every time I go out, I'm praying for one, have a good day. Two, if it's in his will, let me at least be able to hook up to something. But off of that, I mean, you sit there, make sure that you have decent material that you're using. Don't just go out and buy the cheapest things that you can and expect it to work because you're going to come out to this area. You're going to get hooked up, whether it's being, if you're casting out far from the beach, whether it be a stingray or a decent sized shark, or even if you're running around in the fall, you're going to hook up to a massive red and he's just going to spool you and you're not going to have the equipment to be able to pull him back in if you go out and get the cheap stuff. So make sure your rigs are good. Make sure that you have quality things for this area. I mean, I've been out there on the pier and I've suffered from it myself. One of my reels got locked up and I ran to the local bait shop and I grabbed the cheapest thing that I could and my one of my best friends was sitting there catching redfish after redfish after redfish. And I'm sitting there all day with absolutely nothing. So just make sure that you have good quality gear. I'm not saying you have to go out and buy the most expensive, but quality over quantity. Good call. Very good call. Well, this next question might be running the exact same answer, but we'll, we'll try it anyway. What knowledge would you give to a brand new angler? For this area, be very, very patient. It's, it's not Florida and it's not the Gulf. You're going to throw out and some days you'll be sitting there and you'll automatically hook up. But other days you're going to be there and you're going to be sitting and you're going to be waiting. I mean, you came down for the tournament and you saw this area is a hit and miss. If you're there, if the fish are there nine times out of 10, it doesn't matter what you have in the water. They're going to pick it up. But if you're sitting there and you get, angry with it and you just get frustrated and give up, that could be the time that you're going to actually catch something, but be patient. We can't control the fish, but that's all I can tell any new angler is be patient. That's good advice, especially for there. And you're, you're right. That's one of the, cause I went into that whole thing blind and basically just going off of people telling me like, Oh yeah, you can do It's good fishing. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, I mean, I'm still going to walk into this blind. There's nothing I can do. But man, yeah, the patience piece, it, it, it pays off. There's plenty of whiting out there. You know, those are always fun to bend the rod, and, but the big ones are there waiting for you. So good, good, good piece of advice and good piece of knowledge right there. All right. So let's get this last question knocked out and get you out of here so you can finally get back to your family and your day. What's next for you? 
I mean, in all honesty, I'm probably going to keep doing the exact same tactics that I'm doing now. But, I mean, maybe here in the close future, me and my buddy has been talking about it. I mean, we're wanting to start a small charter, probably not even paying us. I mean, getting people out that want to come out and do something, hey, hit us up. I'm going to have my number or a Facebook page made to say, hey, if you're wanting to learn, throw us five, ten bucks. If even that, we have all the equipment that you need, come and do it. And then my TikTok page, I'm going to be revamping it up this year, and it's going to be slamming with information on what I'm doing, how I'm catching these fish, and the products that I use. So that's really what is in store for me if God allows it to happen. Good stuff. So let's talk about that. Well, let's get that information out because I didn't have that before. If people want to follow you on TikTok and social media for learning about fishing, where can they go? All right. So if you want to follow me on my TikTok, it's going to be Dylan.cribs, all one. And I mean, hopefully Brian has it spelled right whenever he puts the podcast out, but it's D-I-L-L-I-N.C-R-I-B-B-S on TikTok and then Dylan Cribs on Facebook. I'm Every day that we go out, I'm posting videos about it on TikTok, and the catches are all over my Facebook. It's funny you bring up the spelling thing. I did mess it up the first time, and I'm like, wait a minute, that name's not coming up. And then I found like, oh, I misspelled it. <laughs> but yeah, I've, <laughs> I've made sure I've written it a few times to make sure I have it memorized and done properly now. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, that, that spelling is a whole other animal in itself. Trust me, I've dealt with it for the past 25 years of my life. Everybody comes up, hey, you're Dillian, right? No, I'm not Dillian. I'm Dylan. <laughs> Example A of why I've always went, as soon as I got into high school, I even told all of my teachers on the first day, I go by my last name, Cribs. You can't screw that up. <laughs> that is true. It's very, very easy right there. Well, Dude, thank you so much, Dylan, really. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed meeting you when we were at Kids Can Fish. It was a lot of fun having that conversation with you. I'm sorry it took me so long to finally get you on the podcast, but I am extremely thankful that you did come and you shared a ton of great knowledge. So thank you very much for that. Thank you for all the time you've given, and I know you're going to continue to do great things in that area by helping people catch fish. So seriously, great job, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. I mean, this is definitely something that me and you have both been looking forward to for a long time. I know that we talked about it at the uh, comp or at the tournament, but I mean, hey, both schedules finally made it to where we could happen. I mean, I've been planning this wedding and getting all of it situated, but hey, we got it done. So. <laughs> yeah, we did. And it'll be more fun stuff in the future, I have no doubt. So, again, brother, appreciate you. Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk soon. All right, brother. You have a good one. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope this episode's been knowledgeable for you for the fishing in the Georgia area. Uh, Dylan has a ton of knowledge. He really does. Uh, if you didn't pick up from anything he said there, he really does, and he is pretty humble about it. But other stuff we talked about off the tournament help me make a plan for next year. And this is also helping me make my plan for when I go back for the kids can fish running of the bulls tournament. So you've been listening to finding demo surf fishing. Thanks for sticking around. Always appreciate you. Hope we get some new episodes out next week that you enjoy until then you take good care of yourselves. We'll see you.